Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to make every moment more with FanDuel. Great odds and markets for Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, PGA Tour, and so much more. It's got great promotions. It's easy to use. It's safe. It's secure. You get your winning fast. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same-game parlay and you can discover the most popular SGPs each day right when you log in. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so they know that I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, new guest this week. Abner Morris, three-division world champion, now a Showtime boxing analyst. Never been on the podcast before. Glad to welcome him in. He was ringside for the incredible fight between Jermel Charlo and... Uh, and Brian Castaño this past weekend does great work all the time over at Showtime. And uh, Abner joins me on the show. What's happening, Abner? Good to have you here. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm just happy to be here, man. Thank you. Hey, and yes, well, so I was on at, the, at that fight this weekend, like you mentioned. Great fight. Can you can you please relay tomorrow? We're not going to do punch bowl, okay? We, we can't we can't do punch bowl. Like just war grounds is fine. Like punch bowl, it's like forcing a nickname. And I, I'm someone Abner that's tried to force things down people's throats before. I made people eat a fight between right. Demetrius Andrade and Jamal Charlo that never happened. Uh, I understand that, but punch bowl, I, I can't get on board with it, man. Yeah, I hear you, man. You're you're not the only one. I hear it a lot on Twitter as well. A lot of people comment on that, but hey, you know. <laughs> if he wants to call it that, you know, I'll let him call it that. But I, you know, it's more known. I remember my back in my time, the uh, war zone. Correct? Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it's had a few so. nicknames <laughs> in, uh, over the years, but uh, great place to watch a fight. And always grounds. leads itself for some reason. Always leads to some reason to great fights. Um, and this fight between Charlo and Castano was no different. Uh, pretty tight fight, I thought it was uh, going into those final rounds. Then Jamel Charlo. Finds another gear 
and knocks out yeah. Brian Castaño. Second straight time Charlo has picked up a knockout in a rematch. Like as you look back on that fight, right. like what what were your big takeaways? What what stood out to you? Well, be, even before the fight, I'm sorry, even before the fight, the fact that Joan Guzman was in uh, Jamal Charlo's camp, um, handworking defensively. Um, but during the fight, um, it kind of sort of started the same way as the first one. You know, uh, first round, they were feeling each other, uh, trying to figure each other out. Uh, why? I don't know why they fought already. You know, they fought in the past. Uh, this was the uh, 13th round. But what stood out to, for me the most was the adjustments that you mentioned Jamal Charter was able to make after I believe I saw the sixth, seventh round. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the gear. But so much aside from the gear, I think it was the adjustments. I mean, the change, the jab. He went back on the jab. He not staying on the ropes. Uh, the combinations. I mean, uh, a barrage of things from from Charlo, and and really, um, Castaño. I mean, the only thing we we asked for him was more volume. You know, I, I asked and I said it on on the telecast. Yes, you're gonna you gotta you gotta risk. You know, you gotta take those risks. You, you gotta. You gotta go and, and let your hands go. You might catch a hand here and there, but you're gonna you're gonna land yours as well. So you know things like that. But definitely, Jermel Charlo's uh, performance was uh, was something to really um, to really throw out there and mention to people that you know he made the adjustments, like you mentioned. You know he fought Tony Harrison one fight. A lot of people thought he lost. A lot of people thought he won. He came back and he knocked him out. This fight. First fight against Castaño, people thought he lost. People thought he won. He came back and knocked him out. So I like those statements that Charlo makes. You know, he comes back, he makes adjustments, and that's how you prove people wrong. Yeah, that's that's one way to make sure that there's no controversy, to pick up a knockout and say, you know, and <laughs> no have some finality uh, to it right there. Uh, Jermel, who, you know, is, it seems angry even in victory at times. Uh, I was watching some some of the footage of the press conference afterwards and Jamel uh, basically telling media members to start putting some respect on my name. When, when I hear that, Abner, I hear right. about a, I feel like a guy wants to be included on the pound for pound list. In your mind, Jamel mm -hmm. Charlo, undisputed at 154, pretty solid resume. Does he belong in the top 10 of all fighters in boxing? Um. I'm I'm one of the many guys that do, I don't believe in the pound for pound list to be honest, but I know you're asking a question, so I'm gonna answer it. <laughs> and, um, you know, and yes, and yes, obviously after that performance, and it's not just that performance. We mentioned the Tony Harrison, and we mentioned other fights. He definitely earned his badge to to put himself in the pound for pound list. Again, that's my opinion, and. Uh, but again, you know, I don't believe in on that because it only takes one fight, like we saw against Canelo Alvarez, for him to lose. And then all of a sudden, he's the worst fighter of the world. And he put him all the way down to like four, fifth after being the top guy in the face of boxing. You get me? So that's why I dislike these, you know, pound for pound lists. No, I, look, I, I agree that, you know, on mine over at Sports Illustrated, I, I only dropped Canelo one slot. I put Terrence Crawford above him and Canelo at number two. And yeah. look, you, you can't. You can't ask fighters to take big fights and then be especially punitive towards them if they lose. Like you can't mm -hmm. you want fighters 
to dare to be great. I mean, Canelo could have fought anybody. He could have gone mm-hmm. over to the UK and taken a showcase fight against like a John Ryder if he wanted to. He could have gone mm-hmm. to Mexico City and fought a lesser opponent in front of a sold-out venue down there. He chose to move up and face a guy in Dimitri Bivol who is incredibly dangerous and is obviously really good at that weight class. So I'm with you. I don't, you know, on, on dropping guys, moving guys around too much if they take one loss, that's wrong. When I, I'll, I'll ask you it this way. If you had to choose, because this is what I had to do in, mm-hmm. in making my next pound-for-pound pound list, I had to choose between Bivol and Jermel because I okay. thought Shakur Stevenson did enough in his last fight to earn a spot on it, two-division champion, fought some good guys, tremendously skilled fighter, which you have to take yes. into account uh, as well. Bivol, he's got the win over Joe Smith. And now he's got the win over Canelo. But I love Jermel's resume from Erickson Lubin on up. Really, since 2017, I, I think he's fought eight times. Seven of the eight were what you would consider significant fights. I think Jorge Cota yes. was the only one that really was, and that wasn't his fault. That's because Tony Harrison pulled out of that fight with an injury. So, mm-hmm. to me, resume matters. Like, if you have to have a real... If you want to be on a pound-for-pound list, you need to have a real resume. I think Jermel Charlo has one of the better resumes in and around his weight class, one of the better res- resumes, frankly, in all of boxing. 100%. I couldn't have not said it better. I mean, that's how you really rank people based on the resume. It's not based on the last performance, last fight, um, you know, really who they fought and what they did, you know, to deserve to to be in that spot. So you put it well. Jamal Charlo has definitely been fighting great opponents. Uh, not only great opponents, been demonstrating the improvement and, and, and escalated to a level where he just serves to be in a, a spot in the pound-for-pound pound list, 100%. Yeah, yeah, no question. Um, let's look forward, though, for Jamel. You know, in the aftermath of his fight, I was reminded of that scene in the, what was it, the beginning of Rocky Five when Rocky comes back from Russia after being in a war with Drago and, like, Union Kane shows up at his <laughs> press conference and says, time to fight me, I'm the real champ. Like, right. immediately after, this is why I love boxing. Like, because, and, and I'm the guy in the ring all the all the time asking fighters about what's next. It's like, mm-hmm. a fighters like, and I'm not, not telling you anything you don't know, but a fighter's like, they get into almost like a car crash and then someone's asking them when they want to get into a car crash again. So, so like, so, but so Jermel Charlo immediately afterwards, he's hearing from Tim Zhu. We're hearing about the IBF mandatory that's been on his docket for a while. Mm-hmm. Sebastian Fundora was in California watching that fight. Uh, Jermel's going to take some justified time off, but if he fights again, say before the end of the year, do you think he should fight? A Tim Zoo or a Fundora? Should he look for a lesser fight and drop a belt? Uh, should he move up in weight? What do you think the next move should be for Jermel Charlo? I think his next move would definitely be uh, defending uh, those belts for maybe one or two more fights. Um, if if I was the matchmaker, I would put him on the less complicated fight, I would say. I mean, uh, you, you just never know. I mean, and I'm just going based on what I saw. I think Team Sue, without no disrespect towards him or his team, I feel like he's like the lesser um, threat. He's a great fighter, um, but I think you know from if you had to compare him with Fundora and Sue, I think it will be a, a good matchup, a fight where I think he could win. I think Fundora will be a much more difficult fight based on the volume and the the reach, the height, and we saw what he did with um, uh, uh, what's the name. 
Lubin, yeah. Lubin, Lubin. Oh my God, Lubin too. And I love Lubin. I love, you know, that's one guy I was high on too. And, you know, Styles make fights. Unfortunately, Fedora was just, you know, the bigger guy and, and he just couldn't figure him out. But uh, I, I would love a fight against uh, Sue. I think Sue is a, a great name, a good matchup. And not saying that it's not such of a difficult fight, but I think it'll be a, a lesser threat. That's what I'm trying to say. So I think I think you should go that route and then move up to uh, to a higher division to to the next class. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on Tim Zhu. I mean, watching Tim Zhu in his last fight against Terrell Gaucher, look, he's a very good offensive fighter, but there's not a lot of head movement there, and None. that's kind of the Straight opposite line. of Brian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brian Castaño was a lot of movement. He's in and out. He's throwing volume punches. Like Tim Zhu can catch you with something big. I think that power's real. But he's also a target. And for a fighter like Jermel Charlo, he's kind of right on his eye line. Like, they, that that yeah. just seems like a fight Charlo could could harness that power of his and win right. by knockout. Plus, Tim Zhu probably is going to keep getting better as he gets more fights. So maybe catching him now is catching him at the right time when it's still a marketable right. fight. Of course. But, I mean, Sue is the one that's trying to get this fight and wants this fight. Mm. If I was Sue, I mean, I'll, I'll try to catch in different fights get more experience, but, you know, if he wants this fight, I think it's a difficult fight for him. And um, the way you explained it, I mean, it's exactly how it is as far as styles. I think Sue is a um, no-head movement. He walks in straight forward, a lot of power, but, you know, big guy. But, you know, you can't, you can't do that, you know, against uh, guys in the level of uh, Jamal Charlo. Plus, I wouldn't want to fight Fundora. Like, how the fuck does Fundora make 154 pounds? Like, seriously. Like, what the hell? Like, I just did the fight with Gilberto Ramirez. Gilberto made 175, and then he ballooned to 204 the wow. next day. Like, I, I would not want to fight a six foot six Sebastian Fundora at 154 pounds. I don't even know what weight he's coming in at um, when he gets into the ring. Yeah, that's, that's the one guy you definitely want to um avoid for now because you know he, he shows up and like you said we don't know what weight and not only that a kid can fight he throws a lot of punches he's not really a technical fighter he really you know um he doesn't even use his reach you know throw that away you know talking about his reach this is a guy that fights in, inside type of fight and um yeah this is this is this is a guy uh who used this i think it was uh i want to say it was crawford that said that Fandora was a cheat code on video games. <laughs> I think I read that somewhere. It's like, you know, you cheat and you get this bigger guy in a, in, in, in a weight class that, you know, he shouldn't be, but <laughs> it is what it is. You know, as long as the guy can make the weight and, you know, he can, he can use that as an advantage, you know, go for it. God, I mean, God love him. I, mean, I thought Paul Williams was a big welterweight and he was uh -huh. but sebastian vendora junior middleweight is just massive mm -hmm. getting better it seems like by the fight like that power is growing uh, yes. over the last few fights i mean you just look at erickson lupin's face that'll kind of tell you the story there i mean how how big a puncher uh Fundora is one last question about the cart from saturday uh boots ennis continues to Ooh. look impressive you know knocks out uh custio clayton second round a guy that never been knocked out before <coughs> in his career um you know, he knocks out Thomas Delorme in the first round. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, I, I often hesitate to anoint a guy as great right. until we see him in with somebody great. But, you know, Boots Ennis, how, how good is he? Like, what is his ceiling in that division? How good is he? You just mentioned two good fighters. Not great, good fighters. I don't even want to say decent. They're, they're good fighters. 
um, you know, uh, speaking of, um, sorry. Yeah, Delorme with the distance uh, with last um, opponent. Jesse Delorme, Vargas, the, exactly. Know, yeah. and two great fighters, and he just made them look like, you know, just regular fighters. He made them look like, you know, lesser opponents, knocked them out. Like, who does that? You know, only someone as talented as him. He looked really good. Uh, he's the guy that uh, really knows how to time his punches. He's a guy that really knows um, how to just close the show, really. Yeah, he's got a little bit of everything. I mean, if he, if he could make a fight with Errol Spence, and look, Spence has got his eyes on a bigger prize at the moment, but yeah, Ennis versus Spence, how would you see that going right now? I mean, we said it. I think Venice is the boogeyman of that division right now. He is the boogeyman. He's the guy that you want to avoid. You don't want to fight him right now. He's in his prime. He's talented. He's a, he's hungry. He's the type of guy that will give anyone, any world champion right now, trouble. Yeah, what's, what's interesting about the lane that he's in, too, is that he's fighting for IBF belts. He's going to be – here is the IBF mandatory – the IBF, as you know, is the one organization that doesn't really screw around with this stuff. They can't yeah, really they get away. You, right. They're going to give you the opportunity no matter what your name is and no matter who holds that title, which I like about them. Like, I like that they they force guys into action. I think it's going to, you know, Spence, he may have a decision to make, you know, sooner rather than later. If they can't, you know, finalize a Crawford fight before the end of the year, the IBF may step in and say, look, you've got to defend that title or vacate it, and I'm not sure what he do then. I, I don't know. Like, does he want to risk uh, all his belts against a guy like Boots Ennis, who we know is great, but the public at large is still somewhat unaware of in the same way they're somewhat unaware of Virgil Ortiz. And right. well, Connor Ben's got a pretty big name in the U.K., but, you know, in the U.S., he's not a known commodity. I think that'll be an interesting decision that Spence may be faced with if the IBF says defend it or vacate. It is, and it isn't. Like you said, I mean... I, and he's got a great team behind him, you know, Earl Spence. I think they will, if, if it's really a mandatory and they're really forcing it for that fight, I would just vacate the title, you know, um, try to avoid him as far as now. And um, you mentioned a great name, uh, Virgil Ortiz. Make Virgil Ortiz fight boot tennis and the winner of that possibly fight uh, Errol Spence, you know, fights like that, that you want the younger fighter to take on a hard fight to, for, for him to, um, you know, take the punishment, I guess, you know, to, so, so whenever you fight him, you know, he's not the same fighter. So I think that's, that's the route that Errol Spence should go. Yeah. I'd love to see Ortiz, you know, versus you know, Boots Ennis. I mean, I'd love to see yeah. that three times at some point in the next, you know, five years. I can't years. wait. Like, that's I just a... can't wait to see Ortiz back period. Yeah. And yeah, I know he suffered yeah. some injuries or some illness, and, and I hope he's back soon. Yeah, says he's going to come back at 147 as well, which is good. I wondered if he was going to move up to 154 uh, after having some weight issues. But if he stays at 147 and Ennis is there, hell, make an IBF title fight between Ortiz and Ennis, and let's see who backs out. Let's see whose promotional yeah. company says no. Let's see, like, how – then we'll learn a lot about who wants who um, in between those two guys. All right, I want to look ahead to – the fight this weekend, David Benavidez against David Lemieux. Uh, Lemieux's got a name. I don't know what he has left. I've watched his last few fights. Uh, still got some pop, no question, but the sharpness is gone. Um, 
I think some of the punch resistance has gone as well. But it's still a decent name for David uh, Benavidez uh, to be facing at this point. Um, what do you think of that fight? And where, if you're David Benavidez, where do you go in the next six months to a year with 168 you know, kind of bottlenecked at the moment with whatever Canelo Alvarez is going to do? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I mean, touching the the point of the fight, I think it's it's a uh, he's fighting like you mentioned one of those fighters that has a name, uh, decent record, and, and really you don't know how he's going to show up. You know, he's at an age that you might you don't know if he's going to show up and, and and perform as his age um, as the fights you know have uh, have gone on. He's faced great fighters. Um, talking about Lemieux, uh, but Dave, David Benavides is just growing as a fighter, only getting better. Um, and he's, he's making statements after statements in each and every single fight. And I think especially this one at his hometown, he's going to try to do. And I think he's just going to try to pursue the, the, the big fight, which is Canelo. He wants that fight against Alvarez. And I think, and he's doing the right thing, which is, you know, pressuring him and almost forcing him and the crowd to really just you know, uh, have Canelo take that fight. Is it the right time for Benavides? Maybe not. I would want Benavides to get a little bit more experience before he faces a Canelo Alvarez. But uh, even if they fight now, I think it will be a really good fight. Uh, some call <laughs> uh, some call Benavides the, uh, what do they call uh, I heard a name, um, the Mexican boogeyman, the Mexican monster or something like that. But he is, he is that in that weight class. He's a big kid. And I should call him kid because I think he's like 23, 24 years old. I mean, uh, he's still a kid growing. Uh, he's not really yet in his peak. He's not in his um, full-grown man uh, uh, strength, I would say. So it's, uh, he's only going to get be better and bigger and stronger. So um, I can't I can't wait for what the, the future future holds for uh, Dave Benavides. Yeah, I, I would like to see. Look, Benavides is a very good fighter, but Canelo said something after he agreed to the deal to fight Bevel and then presumably Golovkin. And we're going to get to that. But he said, "Hey guys, you want to fight me?" Talking about Benavides, right. Plant, Charlo, go fight each right, other right. first. Like you're all kind of around the same weight class. And look, Benavides is going to fight this weekend. You've got Charlo coming back next month in, I'm sorry, not a good fight. That's just not, I mean, you're fighting Demetrius Andrade's leftovers, Daniel Jacobs' leftovers in Maciek Seleski. I don't like that fight at all. And Caleb Plant doesn't have a fight at the moment. Mm -hmm. Like, if, neither, if two of those three guys need to face each other before the end of the year, and the winner of that fight, the public should get behind that fighter as the next man up for Canelo Alvarez. Because the winner of that fight... Will have earned it. And that's what it comes down to for me. You've got to earn it. Like, calling for it is great. Doing interviews are great. Having a title is great. Having a nice record right. is great. But earn it. Earn the fight by beating other top fighters. And that's why I want to see Benavidez do in the second half of 2022. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. And I think I think at the end of the day, what, what Benavidez is doing is what, what he should be doing, which is calling the bigger name. You still you want to become uh, relevant. You want to be the guy calling the guy out, you know, and he's calling out Canelo like everybody else is. Uh, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But what you said is, is, is great. This is exactly what might happen. You know, if you can't get that big fight, the big name, the top dog, which is Alvarez, of course, you're going to end up going, you know, fighting a, um, a plant. You're going to end up fighting a Charlo. 
And even then, those fights are great fights if they great happen. Fights. And uh, really good fights. And whoever wins, you know, comes up on top, like Canelo Alvarez said, you know, fight each other and then you'll fight me. It'll, it'll definitely end up happening. But what I'm saying with, with my answer was that, yeah, you still want to keep calling Canelo Alvarez because you just don't know. You know, Canelo, you know, you would just might say, hey, you know what? I'm tired of it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's take this fight. And uh, yeah. well, you still don't know where, where Canelo is going to be. We're talking about a big, big old rematch. People talking about moving back down to back down to Canelo Alvarez weight, fighting for all his belts. I mean, we just don't know what Canelo Alvarez is going to do at this point. No, he and Canelo's in the position where he can do whatever he wants. He's going to make yeah, a lot of, of money no matter who he mm-hmm. fights, uh, regardless of the Bebo match. Which brings me to the next question. Um, if you're Canelo Alvarez, what do you do? It seems like there are two options for mm-hmm. September, a rematch with Bevel, either at 175 or, as you said, Bevel, as discussed, coming down in weight perhaps and fighting at 168. Maybe there's a catch weight you can mm-hmm. make somewhere in the middle. Or do you kind of put that fight aside and go straight into the marketable trilogy fight against Gennady Golovkin, which is still one of the bigger fights that appeals to a mainstream audience right. in all of boxing. There still is an appetite, I think, for Canelo against Golovkin. If you're Canelo Alvarez or you're or if Canelo asks you what he should do, uh, what would you say? I say take the Triple G fight. Take that fight. Um, I think people still want to see that fight. Um, it's it's a good fight for him. I mean, we you got we gotta understand that Canelo's been going tough after tough after tough fight back to back. He fought what three fights, four fights in a year. This is a period of time, this small period of time. This is a guy that fights constantly. You know, he doesn't let his body rest. And I'm not saying that, you know, that had anything to do with his performance against Bebo. But what I'm saying, you know, take a break. Take on, on a fight in your weight class against a great name, against a guy you fought already, older, older guy, a guy who did not look as impressive as he usually does, speaking of Triple G. And, and just... Go out there and, and and perform, you know, beat this guy. And after that, guess what? People are back on, on your bandwagon, which, you know, I hate uh, people for doing that. But, you know, they, they boxing is like that. They, they only recognize you for, for your last performance. Um, so I say you do that. Don't face the b-ball yet, nor in your weight class or, you know, the higher weight class that you fought in. Um, because, um, you know, it's... It, it's not the time, and, and I'm gonna be a little honest here because not only did Canelo, yes, he lost because he moved up to a w- different weight class, heavier weight class, but he he also got an outbox. You know, we gotta understand that. You know, Bebo's boxing abilities, boxing uh, methods, not staying on the ropes, the jab, the distance helped a lot. A lot of people are blaming the 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 weight, the uh, you know him being bigger. But it was a lot more than that, you know, not saying that Canelo just, you know, um, can't beat that style. I think he can. But, you know, it was just more than that. So I think you just take that break. Put that fight in pause. Take a Triple G fight. Earn your, uh, you know, um, get your momentum back. um, Get your mind right. And then fight again, people. When you watch that fight, you mentioned the weight. Did you watch that fight thinking that, okay, maybe Canelo reached his limit? Maybe a guy that began his career at 140 pounds 
should not go higher than 168? Or do you think that if they did fight again, Canelo can make the necessary adjustments to come away with a win? I think he can make the necessary adjustments. And the uh, if he did, I mean, if Bebo was, uh, were to move back down to Canelo's weight, I think way bigger chance of Canelo winning also. And, well, and Adler, move, what what and, are the adju- and, what are the adjustments then? Like what because Bebo's is probably going to be the same fighter the second time around, maybe even a little bit better, having experienced right. Canelo for the first time. All right, the adjustments. Uh, I think for this fight, he looked tired. You could tell he he didn't prepare as well, and he, he said it. I was tired after the six. I believe he said um, I was gassed. Uh, the condition wasn't there. So when your body, the condition is not there you know, it prevents you from doing more. So what do I mean by more? More Throwing more punches. He was only throwing one, two. People was timing him, catching one one, one hand and, and, and counter-punching uh, with his uh, left. So throwing more volume, more pressure. The old Canelo, the really the Canelo we usually see, moving forward, closing the gap, body shots, more combinations, not just relying on your power which it seemed like canelo was just trying to do that land a big shot which you know never got there especially in that weight class yeah if i was if i was advising canelo and he certainly doesn't listen to me that's for sure but if i was saying i would say you know look the golovkin fight is a huge fight you're going to be a big favorite in it you'll make like 50 million dollars or something like that it's it's a very mainstream type of fight take that fight Take an easier fight in December if you want to go three times. Maybe that does mean John Ryder in the U.K. or some kind of homecoming fight. And then mm. maybe you see if Bevol can get a fight between the Better B.F. Smith winner. Because mm. let's say Bevol beats the winner of Better B.F. Smith. And the Bevol I saw would be a favorite in a fight against either. Joe Smith, he already wiped the mat with in right. a fight a couple of years ago. And Better B.F., as big and strong as he is, he can be outboxed. We've seen that happen um, a little bit at time, whether it's Vostick or Marcus Brown. They've had some success uh, against him. Um, And if Bevo wins that fight and becomes undisputed at 175, well, that's another carrot to face him with. Like, if you face him in May of 2023, not only do you get the rematch, but you only have to campaign at 175 one more time Mm. to get all four belts. Like, it just... There's a lot of business sense it makes to wait on a rematch with Dimitri Bivol. Well, if Canelo doesn't listen to you, I hope he listens to you now, bro. He, he, he hears this right because he just put it in perspective, like really how you should do it and how business is done, really, because you touched the great point aside from just the boxing, the matchups, the styles, you know, the timing. It's, 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 it's a business and, and how it builds up to be the right fight at the right time with all that in, uh, in line. Yeah, and by the way, I get Bevel and his team saying, I'll go to 168 because let's say Bevel in September goes down to 168 to face Canelo. Let's say mm-hmm. he beats him. He could then go up early next year and fight for undisputed at 175. That'd be two yes. undisputed championships in a matter of months. That's some Hall of Fame shit there, Abner. That's like, you know, that that's how you get into <laughs> Canastota right there. Yeah, and then that's why he's trying to pressure Canelo, trying to get in his head and his team, like, hey, let's do it. If Let's make this fight again. People want it. You know, you, I beat you. I know you don't want to come up to my weight. You might want to come up, and I'll come down to your weight for all, all your belts, but they, they're trying to get that fight right now. But yeah, you're right. If Canelo should be smarter, his team is. I, they they are. Yeah, they, they, yeah. He's he's got to his position. 
for a reason. And I think they're going to make the right, uh, right decision as far as who he fights next. I wonder, though, and you're familiar with the Mexican pride. I wonder if Mexican pride takes over with Canelo when he says, you know what? I know Golovkin's an easier fight, but I ain't going out like right. that. It's like he told me in the ring, this isn't right. over. Like, I, I wonder right. if that kicks in with him and he says, I'm doing it come hell or high water. It does kick in at the moment, but I think he's, he's had time to really just sit down and think and make the right, right decision. So he, he will make the smart decision. Now we'll see what happens there. Abner, great to talk to you, man. Keep up the great work over at Showtime. Look forward to seeing you on these upcoming broadcasts, and uh, we'll do this again. Yes, we will. Thank you so much for having me on, Chris. Really appreciate it. When we come back, my conversation with Joshua Buatzi. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car, and that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fight fans, take your best shot with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. The app is so easy to use, and when you win, you'll get paid quickly. And FanDuel Sportsbook just launched in Ontario, Canada. To place your first bet risk-free, just sign up with the promo code BOXING. 
So if you've listened to this podcast, followed me on Twitter, or watched on DAZN, you know I am a huge fan of Joshua Boazzi. Been covering him since the 2016 Olympics where he won a bronze medal for Great Britain. He's now undefeated as a professional, 15-0, with 13 wins coming by knockout. On Saturday, he will face Craig Richards in a significant domestic showdown over in the UK. It's a fight you can watch exclusively on DAZN. And Josh Buwazi joins me on the show. Josh, how you doing, man? Chris, not bad, man. Not bad. Been a while since the Olympic Games, but I'm good, thank you. How about you? Been a while. You're right. And not too many stops over in the U.S. for you lately. I, I remember telling the guys over at Sky Sports when you came over on that AJ undercard, I'm like, we want Buwazi in the U.S. more. We need him fighting in the U.S. They go, no, 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 no. We want him in the U.K. more. So you're in demand, my man. You're in demand. No, for sure. I think we need to get a fair balance of me boxing out there and boxing in the States. <laughs> boxing in the States and in the UK as well. But it's always good to be in demand. But as you know, May 21st, this weekend is what it's about. So I'm all good, man. So how are you feeling going into this fight? How was camp? How was preparations? What kind are you feeling right now? Camp was good, Chris. Um, I had a very hard camp, to be fair with you. So um, prep has gone as good as it could have gone. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I did my best to leave no stones unturned. And um, yeah, I'm excited to fight this weekend. A good opponent, a, a nice domestic um, dust up. So I'm looking forward to that. Do you look at Craig Richards as being your toughest fight to date? I know you don't know anything until you get in the ring, but on paper, is he your toughest opponent? The most important fight so far, yeah. In terms of toughest or, you know, this and all of that, I don't know. But in terms of how important the fight is, is the most important one. And that's primarily because it's the next one. And like you said, it's one that I must win. It's an, and it's, it's a very important one. So I go with that title more. It's a very important fight to me, Chris. So help me understand this. Are you friends with Craig Richards? Are you friends with his family? I mean, what? where is so, the friendship there? So, so, so I think um, being in the same area, we've been in the same tournaments. You, of course, cross paths. You have similar friends, probably spied each other, boxed each other. Um, because when you enter the nationals, you enter with you enter via southeast London divisions, then you go through to the Londons and you go on, on and so forth. So I boxed him years ago, and when I came up from the Olympic Games, I spied him. Um I when I see his mum at the boxing show, yes, I'll go up to her, say hi, his sisters, I'll say hi to them. So you know, I, I'm a bit familiar, but not crazy familiar. So those experiences sparring with him, working out with them. Uh, do they prepare you at all for what you're going into? Not at all, Chris. They were years ago. Um, mm. And ones that I don't necessarily remember too well. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm a different fighter now. I'm sure he is too. So can't take too much from that. He's known to a lot of people before this fight as the guy that gave Dimitri Bivol hell in Bivol's fight a couple of fights before that. Bivol, of course, went on and beat Canelo Alvarez a couple of weeks ago. Does does Bevel's win make you look at Richards any more differently? Does it make you take him any more seriously because of the success Bevel just had and the success Richards had against Bevel? Um, no, I, I took it serious when we agreed to it, when um, it was signed, and more serious when I came back to London. I think a few months ago for the um, for the press just to build up the fight and that. That's I took it more serious then. So it's not to say that I I didn't take it serious and only two weeks ago I've taken it very very serious that's too late 
you know what I mean? Mm. So um, no, I take it very serious from the get, and um, I'm glad I had that approach. So six years into your professional career, almost six years now, uh, are you happy with where you are? Is this where you expect it to be? I mean, with the way the division is going, the division that I specifically fight and compete in, um, it's been a bit, it's been a bit locked, should I say. So Chris, I asked you a question. You had the Olympic Games. If we look at the 32 men in the light heavyweight division that were there, tell me where they are and tell me where I am. The only guy that's got good rankings like myself is the guy from France, the other bronze medalist. So it's mm -hmm. like when people say, oh, Josh, what are you doing? This, that, and that. We need to understand weight categories are different. It is different. You might fight in a weight category where it's a bit more open, the, the belts are available. There might not be unified champions. There might not be other fights demanding that weight category, or you might fight in a weight category where it's very locked. Um, but you should ask me, have I put a foot wrong? I haven't. Also in that category um, of the men that went to the 2016, I'm up there with the with the guy from France in terms of what, what the guys that went to that games, where are they now? L let's take a look at it. And when we do that, we can say, oh, okay, this guy's doing all right. That guy, maybe not. So it's like, really, when I sit back and I, and I look at it like that, I say, I've done nothing wrong. I've won my fights. I've had the fights that I need to have. Of course, like I said, the division is a bit tied up, but you, you can't just sit and stand still. You've got to keep moving and, you know, having the right fights. So, um, no, I, I don't sit back and think, I should have done this, I could have done this. No, this is the division that I fight in, and that's just the nature of it. You could expand it, Josh, to beyond light heavyweight. I mean, outside of, say... Teofimo Lopez, Shakur Stevenson, I'm sure there's a few more. You've probably made as much progress as as anyone uh, coming out of those 16 Olympics. You could say that too, Chris, you know, but again, if I were doing, if I were world champion, people would still say something, do you know what I mean? So, Of course, it's <laughs> boxing. Me, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So for me, I think it's important to keep progressing, moving forward, having these fights. And here we have on Saturday, a fight that, you know, people are interested in, so it should be good. You're training with Virgil Hunter, correct? Still with Virgil? Yeah. How has that experience been for you? I mean, are, do you get more comfortable with him every fight? I mean, how do you, how would you describe that experience? I mean, you get more familiar with things, um, the, the wording of things, the understanding of things, um, and you bond with whoever you're working with. So there's, there's a team out there that we work very closely together. Um, I've been out there for a lot of time, already this year, Chris, I haven't got my American passport yet, but the way it is, <laughs> I need to get one, do you know what I mean? But no, it's been good. It's been a good experience. It's been a good camp. Um, and like you said, as time goes on, you just understand each other more. You, you can learn quicker. You can communicate better, easier. It's, it's, it's been quite good, man. Why was he the right fit for you? Because when that was announced, it surprised me a little bit because Virgil... You know, everybody knows Virgil from Andre Ward. He, he taught a lot of – he was very defensive style, technique kind of guy. You, coming out of those Olympics, why I thought you were such a great pro prospect was you were offense. Like, you were a power puncher in the Olympic Games where there were no power punchers, at least not on that level. Was, was Virgil and how he taught boxing something you were looking for? What was it about him that attracted to you? It was the mentality, the 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 – the thoughts about defense and just understanding boxing. Like you said, Chris, in the Olympic Games, 
when the bell went, I was just a sharpshooter. Come out, man to man, <laughs> let's see who's got it. Do you know what I mean? And it worked at that time. Do you know what I mean? But I understand now that, that there's a there's a science of boxing, there's an art to it, which I have to say I haven't really learned in the depths of which I'm learning now. So for me, I said, I need a teacher, not a coach, Chris, a teacher. So many coaches out there, but I said to myself, I need someone that can teach me these very things. So again, I feel this move was the right move that I needed to do. Of course, many said, you know what, you could have just gone to a coach that's more aggressive because it suits your style. It does this, it does that. But I said, mm -hmm. the aggression and the come forward fire is there. So why don't I just improve the defense so I can be a much more rounded fighter? And that's, that's the main reason why I chose him. Do you feel like, how close are you to being the fighter you want to be then after working with Virgil for over a year? Hard to say, man, because when I when I look at some of the things that fighters have done in a fight, I'm blown away. I love the 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 art of boxing, Chris. Like I look at it and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. You can do that. That's possible. And I'm doing bits of it, but when I see fighters that do it all the time and I'm studying boxing, I'm blown away, man. I'm just fascinated. I'm like, that's crazy. I need to be doing that. So yeah, I'm, I'm far away, but you know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. You obviously want to be a world champion at 175. Those belts are tied up at the moment. Might be tied up for as long as as a year if we see unification fights. Like when you look at light heavyweight now in the landscape, what do you, where do you see yourself fitting in? A, a fighter that's ready for a title shot. You know, um, I, I don't think. I don't think that I need, you know, three, four more fights or whatever. Like I think a fighter that's ready, you know, after my last fight, um, it was said your next one would be a world title. And then, like I said, the division got busy. Um, people had to do what they had to do, but it's for me to stay ready to keep learning so that when that shot comes, I'll be there to take it. Do you feel you're, when did you feel you were ready for a title shot? After your last fight, did you feel a couple of fights ago? When did that confidence get in you? Um, my last fight was interesting because it's the first time that I went 11. Um, usually, I think the most I've done prior to that was seven. So it was mm -hmm. nice. And, and the thing is, I do the rounds all the time in camp, all the time, Chris. So to do it in the actual fight, I was like, yep, ticked off. I know I can do it. Do you know what I mean? Because you do one thing in the gym, yes, but you want to do it in real life in a, in a fight when the lights are bright. So um, just, just what I'm learning as well recently, what I'm learning and just the mindset. Maybe I'm growing, I'm maturing, whatever it is, but we just keep pushing forward with that mentality. I should tell you, Josh, I am now, and I did this last week on DAZN, I, I am now driving the bus for Joshua Buatzi versus Gilberto Ramirez. That, to me, is, it's not a title fight, I understand, but it is a fun fight. It's a competitive fight. You could do it in Southern California. You could do it in the UK. It should be an easy fight to make because of Golden Boy and Matchroom's relationship. I am, that is now on top of my list, Josh, on big fights I want to see. And you know what? I don't blame you, but you should see it from my angle. What I want to hear and what Ramirez, I'm sure, wants to hear is that final eliminator. That's what everyone mm. wants to hear. You don't want to keep hearing eliminator, eliminator. You want to hear final so that you know once you get past this, you know what's next. Do you know what I mean? So for me, as long as I hear final eliminator, I'm all in. That's good to know. That, that should be, it absolutely should be. I mean, the fact that Dominic Bozel last weekend was... Number one, I don't quite understand how that actually happened in the WBA rankings, but you two should be fighting for a final eliminator 
um, in all the sanctioning bodies. I, wh- what did you think? Of, I mean, you're a light heavyweight. He's a light heavyweight. He weighed 204 pounds on That's fight cool. night. What do you think of that? <laughs> big man, then. He must be a big man. I, I, didn't know. I haven't seen the fight, to be fair, with Dominic Brazil. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy, man. But if you can put in that weight, then you can, isn't it? <laughs> How much do you rehydrate to usually the next day? It's maybe the late 80s. Yeah. Early 90s. <laughs> if that, yeah, I, I don't really check to be fair, but I would assume around that time, yeah. But doing over 200, then you're a big guy. Absolutely. Well, I hope whether it's the WBA, WBC, WBO, IBF, um, if someone wants to get on board this Buatzi Ramirez train for a final eliminator, I will continue uh, to push for it. It's a great fight. You're always in great fights, Josh. Uh, Craig Richards up first this weekend, May 21st, live on DAZN over in the UK. Good luck to you, man. Hope to uh, see you stateside real soon. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Chris. Have a good one. Thank you. All right. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tough week last week. I gave you Brian Castaño by decision. Didn't work out that way. Was Jamel Charlo by knockout. Thought Castaño had it in him to make a run. Disappointed, by the way, in the judges' scorecards in that. Even if it had gone to a decision, Brian Castagna was not going to win. It was a lot closer fight than I think the judges uh, had scored up until that point. But it's neither here nor there. Castagna lost 
Charlo won, rightfully, justifiably, gets a big win. So I go 0-2 last week. This week, I'm right back, though. I am right back in the mix with my picks. Brought to you, of course, as always, by FanDuel. David Benavidez against David Lemieux. Big fight on Showtime this weekend. Benavidez, look, he's a big favorite for a reason. David Lemieux has won five fights in a row, but they have been largely low-level fights, and he hasn't really been the same fighter since we saw him several years ago lose to Gennady Golovkin. That was kind of his uh, last big moment, and uh, he hasn't been the same since. So Dave Benavidez, uh, minus 1,800 over at FanDuel, but I think Benavidez is a lock to win this fight. I also think he wins by knockout. Minus 650 at the moment for knockout, so not great odds, but I can tell you this. I've watched a lot of David Lemieux. He's been knocked down a few times in the last couple of years. His punch resistance at this stage of his career has has really started to go. He's 33 years old. Former champion at middleweight. He's going to be fighting at super middleweight for this fight. So I think Benavidez, mid-rounds, gets the job done, knocks out David Lemieux. It's an interesting fight because Lemieux does still have power, and that makes any fight intriguing if a guy still has some pop. But I think David Benavidez, who also has power at super middleweight, 25-0, and big puncher. Uh, I think he gets the job done by knockout. So pick David Benavidez by knockout over David Lemieux. That is my pick this week, brought to you by FanDuel. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Abner Mares and Joshua Boazzi for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts nfl total access the podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 nfl draft I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.